James chapter 4, book of James chapter 4, <coughs> and uh, I'm going to read, uh, beginning with verse 6, a little bit of an overlap today. Last Sunday we read verses 1 through 6, and we taught on the cause of contention, the cause of contention, of whence come wars and fightings among you, the Bible said. <clears throat> come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members. And verse 6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. <clears throat> draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep, that your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. He shall lift you up. God bless you today. You may be seated. <clears throat> and good to have our young folks in here this morning. Last week, the, the last couple of weeks, the girls have been uh, separated, and my wife has been teaching them in my office, and last Sunday, they, uh, they, they did it in style. They had a, a latte machine in there, and drinking lattes and cappuccinos, and I don't know what all, in my office. It's a good thing I didn't catch a whiff of it in here, or I would have had a hard time teaching. I told the teachers that <clears throat> when I was evangelizing, 
I always thought if I ever if I ever pastor instead of having water at the pulpit I'm going to have a cup that's not transparent like this and I'm going to have coffee in it if I did that I'd preach all night so probably a good thing that I don't and the aroma would have betrayed me I'm sure but anyway so they're suffering in here this morning they were living it up last Sunday but they're suffering in here with us today but uh, anyway we've been teaching from James maybe they don't know this they've been in their own class but we've been teaching from James for uh, several months now on lessons from a pastor because James very quickly is widely believed to have been the pastor of the church at Jerusalem in the early days of the New Testament apostolic church this James for you young folks is not James the brother of John that James was martyred early on in the early days of the church when persecution first arose kind of ironic that they were brothers they were called the sons of thunder for a reason they were very passionate men very driven they were the ones that wanted to call fire down from heaven and consume those that uh, were in opposition to the Lord and that the Lord had to rebuke them uh, I kind of wish that that tool was available to us sometimes I'd like to call fire down from heaven sometimes myself <clears throat> only problem with that is somebody else would have probably called it down on me by now and I'd be toast too so I guess it's a good thing the Lord has not given us the nuke option that uh, we would like to have. But uh, James and John being brothers, that James was one of the first martyrs, and John of the original disciples was the last. He was the one that outlived them all, and of course, uh, as far as we know, ended his life in uh, exile on the Isle of Patmos where the Lord gave him the revelation or what we call the book of revelation in some places it's called the apocalypse in Portuguese it's called the apocalypse it's not called the book of revelation it's called the book of the apocalypse or the end uh, when the end comes <clears throat> and and of course we are we are living my friends uh, on the brink of those events being fulfilled the man of sin stepping to the forefront and I have said it numerous times now the world will not embrace him because he is evil he will be an evil man the world will not embrace him because he is evil. They will embrace him because he has the answer. 
because he has the answer. No way would the nations of the world surrender their sovereignty to a world leader without good cause. Nationalism, patriotism, pride in one's country is very strong and it's very deeply inbred in people and wars are fought over slight differences in boundary lines. And uh, so no way will the world acclaim a leader unless there is good cause. And when the nothing, you know, you want to hit somebody where it hurts, their pocketbook, their pocketbook. And that's why this election looks to be going in the direction that it's going is because people are blinded to everything else right now but their pocketbook. Nothing else matters. Watching their retirement funds decline, their uh, savings decline, and, uh, and all of that is just, they have just one gut reaction, and that's throw the party out that's in power. End of story. They don't care about anything else. And none of the other things seem to matter right now. And if that's true of individuals, it's true of nations. Nations will uh, do things that... ...when their economies are at stake. And the economies of the, of the nations of the world... Are, are in the balance right now. And so, uh, you, you know, it might be time to read the book of the Apocalypse one more time and see what it has to say. It, it looks like science fiction until you realize we may be living in those days. We may be living in those days. And I believe, and I hope that I'm not wrong, that God is going to take His church out before the tribulation hits this world. Uh, and I believe that the scriptures bear that out. But there are preachers that uh, are apostolic, one God preachers that love this message as much as I do. They believe very strongly that we are going to go through the tribulation. And then there are others that teach that we are going to go through at least half of it. Mid-trib rapture what they preach. Uh, I don't know. We may... My hope is that we're going to get out of here. That's my hope. The Bible said, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think that's what the church needs to be doing right now. Jesus said, when you begin to see these things come to pass, lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. And so it's time for the church to get our heads up. Because I believe that redemption is very nigh. The things we've been preaching for many years, we could be on the very cusp of the fulfillment of them. Now some people may be glad to hear that and others may be uneasy about it. But if, we're, if that makes us the least bit uneasy this morning, then let's get right. Let's just fix what needs to be fixed. Change what needs to be changed. Repent over whatever we need to repent of. And, and let's get right. Get our hearts right. Because the trumpet is going to sound. 
and the church is going to be raptured. Perchance, perchance, that it's not going to happen before the Antichrist is revealed and the world begins to go into tribulation. We really better be ready. We really better be ready. If you cannot live for God now, before that kind of pressure is applied, you won't last very long in the tribulation period. You know there's backsliders that are actually out there right now counting on the fact that when they begin to realize that we are going into tribulation or if the rapture of the church takes place, then they will know that uh, you know we are in tribulation period and so they will just simply at that point refuse to take the mark of the beast and they will be saved that way wrong wrong conclusion the only ones that will be given hope after the rapture of the church will be the Jews the time of the Gentiles will have come to a close the time of the Gentiles ends with the rapture of the church and the only ones that have hope beyond that are the Jews. God will turn to them again for a short period of time. And even if there was hope for any Gentiles after the rapture of the church, I'm going to tell you something. If you can't live for God when it's easy, you're not going to refuse to take the mark of the beast if they threaten you and your kids and your family and your home and everything. You won't do it. You'll knuckle under quick as you can and so we better get ready Amen. if if some of my friends are right and the church does go through at least a portion of the tribulation or all of it or all of it we better have our calling and election sure Amen. praise the Lord because we are going to be tested like never before. And I believe that we will anyway. We will anyway before the rapture of the church. Because I still believe it can happen any day. It can happen today. It can happen today. But we're not going to get out of here without being severely tried. Praise the Lord. I'll get to my lesson here in a little bit, maybe. But the scripture still says in Hebrews, Yet once more. He said, I shake not the earth only, but heaven also. Heaven also. Amen. And what's he talking about? He's talking about the earthly and the heavenly. He's not talking about shaking clouds and planets and stars. It's not the kind of heavens he's talking about. He's talking about the spiritual. The earthly and the spiritual. Yet once more... I shake not the earth only, but heaven also. That those things that can be shaken will be shaken. Why? So that those things that cannot be shaken will remain. Will remain. And uh, we are living in those times. I have told you that I participate in a forum of, of apostolic preachers, several hundred of them. And uh, I read in there every day, every day of the troubles and challenges and tests 
that these pastors are going through all over the country and how discouraged they are. How discouraged they are. I read just this morning of several, uh, were several uh, on a particular thread where a younger pastor had written in and was asking advice from older, more seasoned pastors of how to cope with the emotional highs and lows of pastoring. And several others writing back and saying, I can't tell you the number of times I was ready to resign on Monday morning because of the test. And and that's true uh, probably of any time, but more so now than ever. Churches are going through major, major shakeups. Praise the Lord. And if we're not careful, we will arrive at the wrong conclusions and say there's something wrong with our church and want to jump churches over somewhere else where it's a little nicer and easier and all of that. But I'm going to tell you, the Lord is behind the shaking. The Lord is behind it. So the devil's done. Well, the devil, he might be one of the instruments that the Lord is using because he is just a tool in the hands of God. Praise the Lord. But God said, I'm going to shake it because I want to see what's standing when I get through shaking it that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. May remain. Praise the Lord. There's some things that are going to remain when the shaking is over. And this message and this gospel is part of that. Praise the Lord. And I hope that we're part of it. We don't have any guarantees this morning uh, in the sense that I don't know if you're going to make it or not. I don't know. Uh, I'd like to believe that I know that I'm going to make it because my mind's made up. My mind's made up. I may get knocked down a hundred times between now and then, but I'm going to get back up because I'm going to make it one way or the other. I have no other plan, no other contingency. I I don't have any uh, program for failure. I don't. I, I can't. My mind doesn't even go there. It's like. Uh, envisioning suicide. I can't envision suicide. Can you? Praise the Lord. I uh, uh, was uh, on a big tower in Brasilia with my son a few weeks ago. Uh, And it's a big radio and and TV transmission tower. Uh, It's quite large. And so they have a deck uh, up there a ways and you can ride an elevator, go up and from there you can see across the city of Brasilia and they were telling us how many people commit suicide off of that all the time and you've heard me say this before when when uh, we were in New York City a few years ago went up on the Empire State Building of course the World Trade Center had already been knocked down and uh, and that day they had closed the Empire State Building that day because there had been a suicide that day And uh, years ago, back in the 30s and 40s, after that building was built, that was the fashionable place to commit suicide. And and you stand up on that observation deck and peer over and look down. It is a long ways down. I cannot imagine the mindset that would make somebody crawl up on that ledge and hurl yourself off. Now, because of all the suicides, they built this big retaining grate that goes out, curves 
back and it's got spikes and all this stuff and they've got guards up there watching it and somehow this person had managed to get up and over all of that and jump off that's determination if they'd have used that determination for some of their problems they might could have solved some of their problems but that's how determined they were to kill themselves and I can't go there my mind is can you my mind doesn't go there I reach a wall and and I can't get past that wall same thing about uh, living for God when it comes to not making failing giving up quitting backsliding my mind doesn't go there because I know what's waiting on the other side of that on the other end of that just like I can't see myself being splattered on the ground below by jumping off of anything high, a bridge, a tower, a, a building, whatever. I can't imagine going to hell. My mind doesn't go there. I, I've only got one thing in mind. I've got to make heaven my home. Got to make heaven my home. And so I plan on on remaining and I hope that you do praise the Lord but this church the church is going to make it the church is predestined and as long as you stay in the church I'm going to tell you even if you're not at your best if you stay in the church your chances of making it are infinitely greater than the day that you decide well I'm not really putting it all putting all into it so I might as well just stay home that day you take a huge step backward that's why we call it backsliding backsliding because if you stay in church even if you are going through uh, some valleys even if you're going through some tests and trials even if you are going through a phase of carnality worldliness rebellion uh Bitterness, whatever it might be. If you stay in church, your chances of making it from this these pews are infinitely greater. Now don't get me wrong. I believe you can be lost sitting on the pew. And I believe that's where the parable of the ten virgins that we talk about so much come in. Because that is a picture of those that are in the church. That's why they are all called virgins. They are undefiled. They are waiting for the bridegroom. Five were wise, five were foolish, five made it, five did not. You can be lost sitting on the pews if you just sit there and let bitterness take hold of you. And let rebellion settle into your heart. Or embrace worldliness and carnality. Or let personal differences with other people keep you from getting what you need from God. Whatever it might be. Your trials, tests, tribulations, infirmities, anything that will get in your way to where you'll quit praying, not be on fire for God, not be full of the Holy Ghost. The rapture takes place. You won't make it. You won't make it. You don't keep oil in your lamps. Praise the Lord. And so, that's why again, Jesus said, you need to take heed in case He comes in the third or the fourth watch that He finds you watching, waiting, your loins girded about, he said, and your lights burning. Your lights burning. 
it's important. But your chances of doing that outside of the church are nil. Non-existent. At least in church, you're going to have somebody goading you and preaching to you and, and pushing you and prodding and pulling and sometimes even in, you know, you can call it intimidation, browbeating or harping, whatever you want to call it. Whatever it takes to stir us up, rile us up, even sometimes make us angry. I'd rather see sometimes folks get angry because that might make them change, might make them act or do something than just sit there nonchalant, uncommitted, half-hearted, indifferent, unconcerned uh, week after week. That's why Jesus, Jesus said, I would that you were cold or hot. But because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. You can do things with people that are on either extreme because they will respond. They will respond. But lukewarmness is a is a uh, uh, just a, a, a easy going, you know, non uh, uh, unbothered. Just whatever comes, whatever goes. Not really getting involved, enthused. Or fired up about anything. I, I just can't accept that. Can you? But you got to stay in church. That's, that's what I'm telling you this morning. Your chances of making it are infinitely greater if you stay in church. How many times have I heard people say, well, I just feel like I'm being a hypocrite, so I might as well not go. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. I don't care if you're a hypocrite, you're better off on the pew. Now, if you're causing trouble for other people, and you're spreading rebellion to other people, and if you are going to embrace false doctrine, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to preach you out. The Word will preach you out. You cannot sit on the pew and harbor rebellion and false doctrine. The Word will drive you out. The Word will drive you out. But outside of that, the Word of God will push you toward an altar to get right, to fix things. And even if rebellion gets in there and false doctrine begins to get in there, you better hope you have a listening ear so the Word of God can reach you in time because there will be a point at which it will push you out. It will never accommodate that, ever, ever. But human failure, personal problems, all of that... Every bit of it can be dealt with and fixed and taken care of on the pews if we'll just stay in church. We don't believe in eternal security. Eternal security is a Baptist doctrine. It says that uh, once you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, uh, that you can never be lost. Ever. Eternal security. Uh, you can go out, rob a bank, commit adultery, kill somebody, and still make heaven your home. Because you cannot be lost. Once a child, always a child. And uh, you will never be lost. I don't believe the Bible supports that. Amen. Why does the Bible say things like, Let us therefore fear, lest they promise of entering into His rest any of you should come short of it. Come short of it. 
Why does it say, give diligence to make your calling and election sure? Why does it say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? And many other such verses. Amen. So, I believe you can fall away. The Bible speaks about those who fall away, whose hearts are made cold. It warns us using the example of the angels that kept not their first estate. What happened with them? Rebellion. Rebellion. And so they were kicked out of heaven. And if God would do that with the angels, He'll do it with us. Praise the Lord. Everybody listening to me here this morning? He'll do it with us. And, uh, and, and, and so, I don't believe in eternal security. But I do believe in conditional security. If, if you will embrace certain conditions, I believe you can be saved. You can have assurance of being saved. I believe if you stay in church, number one, you got to stay in church. You young folks, you hear me. You're going to go through all kinds of stuff between now and maturity, and you're going to be tempted to quit church. I'm telling you, do not quit church. Build a wall for yourself. Make up your mind right now. Whatever happens, whatever you face, whatever you go through, however weak you get, I am not quitting church. Uh, I know we are not on our lesson at all this morning, but it's okay. This is alright. This is alright. You think the apostles took a text, preached three or four points? They preached the need. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm preaching the need. You read the epistles, it goes from one subject to another because they're dealing with the need. And so, uh, you know, the old timers, they weren't big on taking texts anyway. They just read a scripture and exhort on it. And so, just because I have read a few verses and, and uh, you know, we haven't got to it, we'll get to it. Maybe not today, but we'll get to it. But this is the need right now. Yeah. Telling you we're living in troublesome times. And we need to make up our mind what we're going to do. We better have our plan in place ahead of time. And I'm no better than the young folks that I grew up with. I'm no better than my brothers and sisters. But there is a difference between me and many of them. And that is this. I made up my mind I would never leave church. Never. And by the grace of God... I was able to maintain that. It's all right here, ladies and gentlemen. It's a decision. Nobody can push you out of the church, and the devil can't drag you out. So I wanted to live for God, but things just carried me away. No, if you left, it's because you made a decision to leave. And if you stay, it's because you made a decision to stay. I didn't stay in church because I was the hallmark of spirituality all through my teenage years. I went through my troublesome teenage years like everybody else. I didn't do a lot of the things my friends were doing. Uh, I will say that. But, but nevertheless, 
There was a desire to. I'm just going to be honest with you. There was a desire to. And some of my friends that did backslide, that come back every so often, not because they were interested in God. They just wanted to flaunt themselves. You've heard me preach about that. Some of them would come in, because that was the day of the long hair on the young man, whatever. The first thing they'd do. You know, first thing a, a girl would do when she'd quit church? Cut her hair. What first thing a guy would do? Let his grow. Just a complete flip-flop. Thank you. The girls would want to look like a boy. Put on their pants. And uh, the guys would want to look like girls. Now, they didn't put on dresses. As far as I know. Might have. I don't know. But uh, anyway, they'd come back with their longish hair. And they'd, you know, sit there flipping. That was really cool. That's why they wore it that way, so they could flip it. And I wanted to go back there and just just slap, slap them. I, I don't have real Christian uh, emotions sometimes. I just... And... And they'd be sitting back there chewing their gum. I have an aversion to chewing gum in church to this day. To me, it just looks disrespectful. Sitting back there. They don't allow it in the classroom. Why should we allow it in church? Most classrooms that I know of anyway, they didn't allow it. When I was in school, they'd say, they'd look out there, Hey, Joe, you chewing gum? Come up here and spit it out. Make them walk up in front of everybody and spit it out. And uh, so I don't like it in church. But they'd come and they'd sit there chewing their gum and grin. And sometimes there'd be two or three of them nudging each other and poking and pointing, you know, this one or that. Make you just feel so intimidated. And then the young folks just gather around them after church to hear all their glowing stories. Where they'd been, what they'd been doing, whatever. We had a large youth group. We had about 75 young people. And you know what? Out of that bunch, there hardly is a handful living for God today. The only difference I know of, Brother Damon, is I just made up my mind. I was not going to leave church. I sat on the pew for a while, miserable. I wasn't happy because my heart wasn't right with God. It wasn't because I'd been out smoking dope or drinking or anything else. I never did drink or smoke. A lot of things I never did, but there were a lot of things that were in my heart, and there was a curiosity with, for a lot of things. And my friends were waving to me, or motioning to me, and I wanted to go. And when I look now where many of them are, I thank God that I didn't follow them. So I didn't stay in church because I was super spiritual or my flesh was holier than theirs. I stayed in church because I made up my mind I was not going to quit. Somehow, instinctively, I knew if I ever cross that line, 
I may never come back. I've seen that happen to so many others. Everybody who backslides thinks they're going to come back someday. And, and I understand very well, I'm preaching to people this morning who have taken that trip and God has helped you come back. You know what? If that has happened, God has been so good to you. Because for every one of you, for every one of you, there are nine or ten or twenty or thirty that never come back. Never. They intended to, but they never do. They never do. And so instinctively, I knew if I do that, I'm going to take a huge chance because I may never come back. And I'm going to say this, too, that... Uh, now, I don't believe this applies to those that are here this morning whom the Lord has been gracious to. But I, I have seen it and you have. Those that backslide go out there and, and even some who try to come back. They just never quite seem to make it. And, and once you do it one time, it's easier to do it the second time. That's why, you know, that's another reason why... Uh, that second marriages uh, have a higher failure rate than first marriages. And third marriages even less. Because once you step across that line one time, it's that much easier for you to do it again. And so, just put a wall in your mind right now this morning and make up your mind whatever happens I am not quitting I'm not leaving not leaving I may not be the happy camper I may not be uh, right where I need to be or want to be and that doesn't excuse uh, that uh, either but I may not be that but I'm not leaving because I'm going to tell you as long as you're on that pew, the service can come along. And it may be when you least expect it. When something is going to happen. And it's going to turn everything around for you. Kind of like when we came to church last Sunday night. Now we have prayer and we have prayer. And last Sunday night, we had prayer going on in the prayer room. Now, where did that come from? Where did that come from? Uh, a, lot of, a lot of us go in there all the time. And we pray dutifully. And, uh, and I believe God hears us. And we do our, our deal. And we come in here. And we, we uh, do what we can in here. But not every time that we meet in prayer is there, is there that connection like we were feeling in there last Sunday night. The Bible speaks about the times of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord. You never know when it's going to happen. It can come out of the clear blue. It can be on a Sunday morning. Sister Reagan got the Holy Ghost on Sunday morning. So all Sunday mornings aren't dead, dry Bible study services. And neither are all Wednesday nights. All heaven could break loose around here anytime. I didn't preach 
the message Wednesday night that I came to preach. I preached the message that I preached because there was a need here. There was a need here. So we preached evangelistically here Wednesday night. We preached the old-fashioned plan of salvation. One God, Jesus' name, baptism. And I hope you don't get tired of hearing it. Because as, as long as we've got people that need to hear it, we're going to preach it. And if we preach the same sermon over and over till you memorize it, and you can say it ahead of the preacher, so what? So what? It's the same plan. The plan doesn't change. They need to hear it. So, we may come on a Wednesday night all ready to settle down and fight, sleep, and be bored with a old, dead, dry Bible class. I don't think there is any real such thing as a dead, dry Bible class, but some people look at it that way. We may come all ready for that, and you know what? Hunger can walk in the dark. Those of you that went with us to youth conference this year heard Brother uh, McMullen teach or preach one day on hunger. Tremendous. Tremendous. I laughed and cried all the way through that message. And he talked about a man that showed up at church one Saturday. And... He came to church that evening, I think it, if I recollect it right, and I guess there were some ladies there cleaning or whatever, and they came up all alarmed and worried and, uh, and said, uh, Pastor, there's a, there's a man in there. And he said, Well, what's he doing? He's praying. He's praying. Surely not. Not in church. Not a man praying in church. We've got to put a stop to this. He goes in there and it happens that it was a man who was uh, an, uh, an apostolic man that was from somewhere else in the country, was there working locally, and so he liked to go to the church and pray, and he saw that the church was open, so he... Just went in there and was praying. And that Sunday morning, he was there. And Brother McMullen said they all came to church that Sunday morning for just an ordinary Sunday morning service, but hunger walked through the door. I don't recall now how late it was when they actually left church that day. It was like 1.32, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And they had church like they hadn't had church in years. Because hunger had come through the door. We may come on a Wednesday night and hunger come through the door. Praise the Lord. I don't know if this young man that was here is uh, sufficiently hungry I know one thing he was smiling he was laughing he was crying too
whether him or somebody else. But it can turn things around where revival will break out on a Wednesday night. Preacher will preach evangelistic. Lay the other notes aside and just rear back and preach Acts 2.38 till the world looks flat. Praise God! Hallelujah, hallelujah. And just like God can do that, you may have gone through a period of dryness, a period of, re- of, of, uh, of resentment, bitterness, anger, carnality, worldliness. You may be tottering dangerously close to the edge, the jumping off place. And we can walk in here and all of a sudden, I mean right in the middle of a song we sing 159 times. The Holy Ghost can come down. The presence of God can begin to move. And it'll change people's minds and hearts all over the building. And you'll leave and never be the same again. But that will not happen if you're not here. You have got to stay in church. You hear me, Brother Greg? You had not been here that long. About a year and a half. You want to know the secret to survival. If you want to get to the place when your hair grows out again that it eventually turns gray with you in church like some of these older folks around here the secret is you just stay right there no matter what happens around you people will come and go you just got to stay right there you know what I'm not going to live forever either so someday I'll be gone if the Lord tarries you'll have a different pastor but you got to stay right there you just got to stay right there and, and when the day comes when you get married, and don't run the aisles right now, but when that day comes, the Lord gives you a wife, somebody's going to fall in love with you. There's somebody for everybody in this world. Trust me. Trust me. Somebody's going to fall in love with you. You're going to get married someday, and you're going and you're and y'all are going to have a falling out. I mean, have an argument. Hopefully not a knockdown drag out. Don't you ever do that. You hear me? Don't you ever do that. Don't ever break nothing in your house. Take off somewhere and not come to church. Don't you do it. You bring those problems and you set them right down on this floor. Because if you get things worked out between you and your wife, the best chances of that happening is going to be right on that view. Well, not on that pew necessarily. She may not want to sit with you up here. But don't get too far back. I don't like it when I see these young couples get married and they go too far back. Everybody else scrooch up, make a little room and fit them on up a little closer where, where you know, get up closer to the fire. Praise the Lord. As much as possible. Everybody can't sit up near the front. But I'm just telling you. And you know what? You may have unemployment. You may get fired. You ever been fired? 
Not yet. Well, you may get laid off someday. You may have some serious financial problems. You may get really, really bent out of shape. You just stay right on that edge. Don't you leave. Your chances of making it from here to glory are infinitely greater on that pew than they are at home or anywhere else. You other young folks hearing me here this morning? Don't let anything drag you out, so help me God, don't let it happen. Again, the difference between me and many of my friends was not that I was so sharp, so smart, so spiritual, it wasn't. The only difference between me and them is I didn't leave. And because I didn't leave, one of those services I just described to you came along. In my case, it was a Saturday night men's prayer meeting, and you've heard the story umpteen times. And I don't even know why I went that night when you're not on fire for God, when you're cold, when you're carnal, the last place you want to go to is a prayer meeting. But I went. Went to the meeting one night, the song says, and my heart wasn't right. But something got a hold of me. Anybody besides me ever have that experience? Let me see your hands. Let me put it this way. And I'm not going to keep you much longer, believe it or not. I'm going to let you go early this morning. You've heard me say also when Brother Cavanaugh Sr. was asked one time after they'd had a, a long revival, how many got saved? It's a natural question to ask. People want to know if new people prayed through. But his answer was, I don't know how many people were saved. You know what? I don't know what's going on in people's minds and hearts right here this morning. And I don't know why the Holy Ghost is steering me in this direction right now. People come to church dressed every inch the apostolic. They don't look any different than the last time you saw them. But something's going on inside. There's a war going on inside them. Devil's been messing with their brain or something. Or somebody else has. Paul wrote to the Galatian church and he said, Who hath bewitched you? Sometimes somebody gets to them and begins to bewitch them. Incantation, sorcery. Maybe not by, you know, abracadabra type thing, but, but they began to mess with their thinking. Who hath bewitched you? And a service, how many times has a service, a message, saved every one of us? Nobody else may have even known it. Sometimes we might collapse into an altar and have a good praying through and everybody knows that we got a good touch, a good blessing that night. And other times it just happens internally. And something that was going wrong just gets put back in place. Because the Word of God saved us at the last minute. 
I know that's happened to probably everybody here this morning. And it's happened to me. It's happened to me. How many times it's happened to me. But it will not happen unless you're on that deal. Your first step to conditional security is just stay in church. It's that simple. Just keep getting in that car, driving to church, getting out, planting yourself on that pew. Even if you don't enjoy a blessed thing that happens in that service, you just keep doing it. Keep doing it. Because I promise you, the God of heaven that saved you and that loves you will orchestrate a service with your name on it. I said earlier, I don't believe in unconditional security, but I do believe in conditional security. The Bible says this. I'm going to give it to you and let you go. In 2 Peter 1 and 3, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these, everybody say by these, by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, everybody say diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Now listen to this. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Conditional security. If you do these things, you shall never fall. Anybody want to hear him say, well done? Anybody want to go airborne in the rapture? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Anybody want to walk on streets of gold and be able to look around and say, Woo, I made it! I made it! I'm here! I went yesterday and paid my respects to my father's grave. I would have been 75 years old yesterday. Stood there and remembered that five years ago, yesterday, which was also a Saturday, 
I had flown out to California, surprised him for his 70th birthday. Bought him a special gift to honor his 70th birthday. My younger brother and middle sister were there. They knew I was coming. They told him that uh, they were going to pick up somebody special. So uh, he had just been in the car accident he had been in that eventually killed him. But so he's all banged up, bruised up. They drove him to the bus station. I had flown into Los Angeles and then rode the airport bus up to Bakersfield, about two and a half hour ride. And uh, so when I got there, I could see he was praying his head, trying to see who it was. And so I went out surprising. Five years ago yesterday. And we went out to eat at a restaurant there called Mimi's and we liked. We used to have a key lime pie there to die for. You ain't a kidding me. With raspberry sauce on it, sometimes you put just a little chocolate on there too. It's almost a spiritual experience, is what it was. Amen. <clears throat> but uh, and then they discontinued it, which was the worst mistake that ever made. But he went, and uh, he could hardly walk. He had to. He was with his walker, and me and my brother were on both sides of him, helping him shuffle along. And, of course, I stayed over and preached on Sunday, and then that's when he twisted my arm to take him to Shelbyville Conference. And so I had to buy two tickets at the last minute, pay an arm and a leg for them. And uh, had to be real forceful to him with him. All right, I'll take your butt. you got to agree to two things. I've never talked to my dad like that before, but I did. So you got to agree to two things. All right, what, what, what is it? He was so anxious to go that he was willing. I said, you got to take your medicine on time. Because my sister's been fighting with him every day. He hated to take his medicine. He never did it the way the doctors told him to, which was part of the problem anyway. Then he'd forget two or three days, and then he'd catch up two or three days all at once. And it was horrible. Anyway, I said, you promise? I said, the second thing is, I'm driving. I'm driving which meant driving to the airport in Los Angeles, and then once we would rent the car in Indianapolis, I'd be driving. I said, as long as you agree to those two things, I will take you. So he agreed, and I took him on Monday. It's the last trip I ever took him. And we went for two days, and I'm so thankful now that we did. And then within just two months, he was gone. So hard to believe it's been five years and every day I wonder what's he doing right now I wondered that yesterday as I stood there and looked down 
doing right now. Amen. You know, if you just stay in church long enough, the day will come when you will take that step into eternal life. And if you can ever look down and see the streets of gold under your feet and know, I mean, I mean, it's going to be worth it all, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Brother Greg, you might even get mad at me sometimes. I may step on your feet big time. I know I've never been known to do that. You might feel embarrassed and even humiliated by preaching sometimes. Maybe you're feeling that way right now. I don't see your ears turning red, so I don't think you're embarrassed. Uh, it's the truth. And when that day comes, if the Lord tarries, you do get married. Uh, and you all have your falling outs. You may come and want me to agree with you. And I may agree with her. You may get madder and madder at me. One of the toughest challenges for pastors who try to mediate in a marriage situation. They're both sitting there wanting you to agree with them. <clears throat> I may agree with her. Probably him. I'm going to agree with her. Just knowing you, I'm probably going to be agreeing with her. I just, just thought I'd mention that to you. When you have kids, I may have to get on to your kids. You may get mad at me for that. I'm telling you, brother, just stay in church. Whatever it takes, you just stay in church. And I promise you, the day will come when you will take that step over, either by way of the rapture or by way of the grave. And when you hear him say, well done, you will be so glad for every service you sat there and had to grit your teeth through it. You'll be glad. Anybody know that here this morning? Let's all stand. Thank you for your attention and patience. Let's lift our hands and worship the Lord this morning. Praise God. Lord Jesus, we love you, Lord. We love you today. Without you, we can do nothing. Lord, and, and uh, while we did not get to our lesson today, Lord, I pray that you will bless these words of exhortation. Just trying to help somebody realize, Lord, that we are living in very turbulent times and our answer, our solution is to simply stay in church and live for you. Oh, God, help us today. Watch over us. Keep us in your care. Oh, God, touch every man, woman, especially our young people today. They're so vulnerable. Help them, Lord. Establish them. Help them to build that wall in their minds and in their hearts and live for you every day of their life. Keep us now, Lord, as we take a little break to refresh ourselves and rest and bring us back tonight. Great service in your presence. Bless our service tonight. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this morning. We dismiss in the name of the Lord. Read one another. Just come early to pray tonight.